Welcome to the Extra Pass podcast presented by Melbourne United. I'm your host, Ben Hopkins, joined as always by my co-host, Adam Ballinger. Balls, how are you? Good, man. Feels like we just did this, just finished the last one. Time flies when you're when you're playing well and winning games. That's it. We've got a we've got a little bit of a, a change to the room, new background, uh, our indigenous artwork by artist Tiffany Hunter. So excited to to get that involved in the podcast, but also excited because we've got a great guest in today. It's Melbourne United's high performance manager, Steve McAdam. Steve, how are you? Very well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. You, you're the one who's, uh, you know, keeping the boys fit, keeping them ready and, and helping us get wins. Yeah, I'll take all the credit, but uh, we'll probably give the basketball staff and players a little bit of the credit there. <laughs> what, what's it like for you, I guess, you know, looking at the result from the weekend? It's a, it's a really exciting throwdown win. It's a, you know, a game that we, we wanted to get and sweep the Phoenix away. What's it like for you to go into a game with the boys healthy and come out of the game with all the boys healthy? Yeah, there's definitely two things that happen at the end of the game. So you can have all the boys healthy and we've had a loss and you're still not happy but there's a little bit of, oh, it's okay. And you can have a win but a key player goes down and I'm not happy and (laughs) others might be. And then you get the double of a win and everyone healthy and then, yeah, that's a good day. Yeah, nice. And I guess – you know, when you look at um, look at getting into games and getting into rivalry games and stuff like that, does 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 the rivalry extend to the physio department? Like, are you looking at Phoenix's physio just like, oh, I got you today? No, <laughs> uh, maybe maybe Phoenix because one of their physios have used to work for us. So there's always a little bit of banter, but he's actually a great fella. What well, what is it like on a game day for you? I think a lot of people might. You know, they'll see you sort of lurking behind the bench a bit, just keeping an eye on everyone. But what's a what's a game day like for you, especially during play? Are you just, you know, you're not a, a coach, so you're not watching every play, but you're watching pretty intently to make sure everything's physically going okay. Yeah, lurking's probably a good way to describe what <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah, on a good day, I just have a great seat and you're just trying to be an extra set of eyes looking at different things for an occasional thing you might throw towards the coaches of missing when a player's calling for a sub or you, you see him when a guy's tired or that he's behind the play or whatever. Um, yeah, and then on a busy day you're having to jump out on the court or you're back of a house trying to get someone back out there and you miss half the game. So, it, yeah, on a good day you're just a fan and especially on the road I feel like you've got to embrace just being a fan a bit as well because – we have less numbers, so we get far more involved in the game when we haven't got 10,000 people um, doing that for us. How, how rowdy do you tend to get on the road? I would say early days with the club I was very restrained. Like I sit next to Doc who's a very calm sort of guy and then I remember looking back at footage um, from a few years ago we had the semi-final series in Sydney um, playing against Phoenix and a – and I remember Jock got this bad call and they panned to the bench and I was piffing a towel into the crowd and I thought, <laughs> yeah, you got to cut this out. Yeah, attack yep. on the bench, that might not be. Yep. No, it might be good. What about like uh, on the game days, I see, because we can watch warm-up, um, like not before the, the a lot of the fans are there, each player seems to have his own, uh, like some of the guys are doing a bit more of like cable work and stuff like that. It looks like almost a weight session on the sideline and other guys – are doing a little bit less, but does does each guy have um, something set out for him to do pregame? Like, is is that something you've you've talked to him about and like kind of worked with everyone with? Yeah, and we want everyone to have a plan that makes them comfortable for what they need to be prepared to play. 
And at the start of a season, if we've got new players or if someone's not comfortable with what they do, we help them put together a plan, test run it through all the preseason games. So by the time it gets into the, the game mode, it's like they know exactly what they do from when they rock up, they when they get their ankles taped, what they can control. And then that way there's not too many variables that change and you allow them to have that consistency so they don't have to think about other things too much. And is that more of you're working with them on what they want to get out of the pregame as much, not as much as like you giving them a sheet of paper and saying, you got to do this. It's like, cause some guys want to show up, they want to have a coffee. They want to sit on the bench. They want to mm-hmm. laugh and that's their pregame. And then they get a couple shots up and other guys don't want to talk to anybody. They got their earphones on and they're doing like a workout before the game. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of variation in what they want and what we would say is ideal from uh, a physical meet, meet in the middle yeah, maybe. from yeah, a okay. physical preparation, but yeah. then mental preparation, you're like, hey, you can't tell a guy that he has to do this, this yeah, and this. Yeah. And then if he has a bad game, it was all on you. So <laughs> you don't you want that one. Um, I would say there's some guys that we chip away and try and gently mold them without them knowing we're trying to do so over oh, okay. a longer period of time. Um, yeah. And, but it, it, the, the point of it is you're just trying to help people be their best version. So mm. you've got to work with them. Yeah. I think this year it's, it's funny to see sometimes cause I look at, I look at Luke Travers who comes in and he's a, he's a pretty cool cat at times. He just sort of rolls in and just does what he needs to do. He gets his shots up like very diligently does what he needs to do. But then I look at Flynn who's just like, he feels like he is out on the court for two hours and is drenched in sweat by the end of it. And is just like working as hard as possible. And it just like, neither is correct, but just way opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. They're very good examples. And um, yeah, I think the early on you're like, Oh, we're going to have to try and rein Flinty in a little bit. And at other times you're like, Oh, does LT need to do more than this? But yeah, you sort of just got to, give them a chance to do it their way and then you chat through about how they find it and then if, if there's any tips from there. But, yeah, it's something that on game day players really get a lot more say than what, what we would. What's it like to see a guy – I remember Flynn from his first day here, he was just like – he was up in the gym and he was just smashing weights, a really impressive physical specimen Flynn is, and then doing everything he's doing on game day. What's it like, especially for a new player coming in, for you to see them and be like, oh, this guy, I can tell this guy to do anything and he's going to do it because he just wants to be the best physical version of himself he is. Yeah, you love those guys. And LT is actually a really good example of like he's the other end of the spectrum. But if you're like, hey, LT, I want you to do this because of this reason, he'll get it done 100% and do mm-hmm. it well. And Flinny's one that it's like you you will do absolutely anything but – I don't want to give you everything because you will do them all every day, multiple <laughs> times a day to try and get you don't want him, absolute. You don't want to get him as big as Perro was. Yeah. If if he just lifted weights, boy, he'd be enormous. <laughs> like, yeah. He doesn't have to work too hard to uh, be a very large human. How has that changed over the years? You've been in the, in the game for a while. You've been with United for a few years, but obviously – had involvement in other sports, the Western Bulldogs before this. So how have you seen it change over the years as I guess sports science has, has improved and, and the information has gotten more accessible? Yeah, I think the the trust of that you're not trying to just get players to do less is probably um, the battle of sports science, I would say, in recent years that you're actually just trying to get the optimal amount of stuff in and um, – 
And it'd be interesting to hear what Ball's found in terms of, like he's always man a man that's dedicated to the gym, but that wasn't the case from a lot of basketballers when you were playing. And <laughs> in my time with the club, the attention on weights and being the best physical version has just gone up and up every year to be like, let's get as much of this benefit. And you see it in the NBA, you see it in all leagues, is that everyone lifts now and everyone's trying to be the best physical uh, specimen that they can be. And then it's like if you can combine basketball skills and the athleticism and max both of those out, um, and that's probably, yeah, just the amount of time and resources dedicated to it is certainly uh, keeps improving and changing. Mm. Have, have you seen a big difference between – basketball and, and footy for instance yeah um yeah footy was probably tailored almost went too far that the guys were getting too big mm. and i was probably around footy when it was start to be like hey let's just get them to be absolutely elite runners and in basketball like the guys only cover like four k's in in a game so it's not four k's as in you're hardly working guys come on but it's it's that the power movements and the ability to repeat max efforts, it's a different style of fitness. So, like, they don't need to go out and run 10Ks. Like, that doesn't help them. But um, in footy, it's like that was probably the the change. It was like, hey, we want them to be super strong, but if they can be elite runners, then the big guys can't catch them. So, yeah, just different uh, body types. And then the way you would program for a football team and a basketball team needs to be different to catering to what they need. I know you've talked about it a bit on previous episodes, Balls, but how just how different is what you see up here at Hoop City in the gym compared to what you were doing with the Tigers or even, you know, with Adelaide or Illawarra? You know, how different is it? Yeah, I, I thought you were going to ask me about my footy theories. I thought we were going to talk more about that. Oh, uh, we've gone a another, while. Yeah. Well, it's not footy season. We've yeah. gone a while without footy talk. People didn't like the footy talk. Yeah, no, too, we won't. We won't too do that. uneducated. Minds. Yeah, yeah. Um, and especially an American guy trying to <laughs> trying to give you tips on the game. Um, so when I was in like high school or going even middle school, going to basketball camps, I remember like guys would come in and talk. We were playing college basketball and. Like they get the question of do they lift weights and they'd say, uh, back then it's like, I lift, um, my legs every now and then, but I don't lift upper, upper body. It's going to mess up my shot. So that, you know, it's evolved from that to in high school, lifting a little bit on my own. And then college, uh, they all wanted us to be football players. Basically we lifted all the time and every single thing we did was to, to failure. And, um, then you had to get two extra reps with your partner spotting you. <laughs> And which was fine for a while, but I was there for five years. And after a while, it's like your body is like, I'm not giving you any more results. Like I'm so tired of doing this, but it didn't change. Like it was, there was, it was all that. And it was never, I never heard of a sports massage until we got to Australia. Uh, I think now they do a lot more of it, but it was not, it, there was nothing like recovery wise. They didn't care about recovery. It was just weights and on the court stuff. And then you get here and it kind of, it really depended on what team you're with, but much less of what you see out there now. Like you look over and look at practice of you guys, and there's just a lot of people standing around who've all got their own individual jobs, whereas, you know, it, it comes with more money. <laughs> you know, that, that helps. Uh, a team has a bigger budget. But, like, some of the teams, like when you're in Wollongong, it was the team, it was the coach, and two assistants. And two assistants weren't allowed to talk very much. It was just like you just practice for two, three hours, whatever. And if you got hurt, you had to drive yourself to the physio. You had to go see the physio at their, you know, because they're working with normal population, normal people. Um, but, yeah, that's – but, you know, it, it evolves and it's it's at a much better place now. 
yeah, I guess how important is it, Steve, to have a, a facility like we have at Hoop City where it's sort of everything is in one, where you've got the gym, you've got the courts, you've got the physio rooms, and you as a high performance manager can sort of just control it all. And this can be your nice little sphere where it's just like, okay, hopefully, knock on wood, everyone's healthy. But if anything happens, we've got everything we need right here. Yeah, I think it's great. And I think in terms of like being able to have everything in one space and it just flows that you come in, you can get all your work done and it's not like you, like in, in the past we'd have to drive to a gym and then drive to the basketball stadium and like you were saying, then would if we needed treatment, you'd drive to the physio clinic and being able to have everything in one one space and just like you go from one thing to the next means you're getting in the same amount of work and all these different elements, but it just takes way, way less uh, time out of your day. So like mentally it's like uh, – the boys are fresher and yeah, you can't complain if you're a basketball and you're finishing at like one thirty, two o'clock. Yeah. No, you have to, balls good, has talked yeah. about that before. <laughs> it's yeah. a good life. But also, so if you have to get players after practice, let's say you got to drive a half an hour to the physio or whatever it was, half the guys won't go. Like they'll say, yeah, I'm going to go, but it's like that or I could go home, take a nap, you know, and get more uh, free time out of my day. If it's it was really case, hard. Go get four cheeseburgers. Yeah, I go get some cheeseburgers, <laughs> then go home, then take a nap, or I got to go to the physio. Um, I'll just say I went to the physio where I'll just skip it and toughen out tomorrow. Do you need physio if you have fortune cookies? If you have four, no, for yeah. cheeseburgers. Sugar cookies? Oh, I thought you were saying fortune. No, no I said four cheeseburgers. That oh, was four his, cheeseburgers. That was his old, old meal. He would finish when practice. I, when I go first four, got here. Four cheeseburgers in a large No, 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 no you definitely don't need physio if you got four cheeseburgers. <laughs> no, it worked for me then, but it didn't last that You've long. You've decided yeah. which path you're going from that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, again, like we didn't have a Steve, yeah, uh, Steve McAdams back man. then. Yeah, no one yeah. was telling me what to do. Yeah, I was just trying to gain, gain weight. It worked for a while, um, <laughs> but then I met my wife and she told me you probably shouldn't. She, she knew how to cook, so she helped me out there. <laughs> Is that something, you know, joking about the four cheeseburgers that you have to sort of be pretty diligent with the boys on in terms of what they're eating and what they're putting in their bodies to go along with all this work because, you know, so many people and for so many things, it's like you can do all the physical work, but if you're putting just straight crap in your body, you're not going to get the results that are ideal. Yeah, and I think um, it's like... The point is, oh, well, I had four cheeseburgers before every game and, like, I balled out a lot of these games. And my question is always, like, do you think you're any chance to have been even better yeah, if, exactly. if yeah. you had a eaten Probably wasn't better? It's like, yeah. yeah, these guys like, oh, that guy never lifted a weight or, like, that yeah. I'm like, do you think there's a chance he could have been even better? Yeah. Or do you think he would have been so stressed that he wasn't, like, mentally prepared that he just needed to eat his cheeseburgers and he would have been a better player? Oh, I'm sure there's exceptions to the rule, but yep. overall, yeah, you'd probably yep. better nutrition. The Stick better with the good diet, yeah. yeah. How many points do you think balls would average if he only ate two cheeseburgers? Uh, at least an extra bucket a game. I take an extra bucket. I couldn't average much more. Well, you would have got out on the break. I would have been in the uh, out on the break more, I reckon. Oh, I was never a high flyer. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't concerned with that. <laughs> well, Steve. I want to also talk about how you got into the field because I feel like it's something I know my brother's an osseo and he's always been just a sport nut. Like his entire life, he, he and I, we played every sport we could growing up and then coming out of high school, he was just like, well, I want to, I want to work in the field. I want to, you know, work in sort of physical activity in some sort. And for him, that was becoming an osteo. For you, is was it something similar? Were you just sport crazy growing up and thought this is the direction I want to go? Yeah, I reckon if you ask most sports physios, they were like, 
just not good enough at sport. <laughs> yeah. That would be the general consensus that you love it and you want to be involved. Yeah, that was the case with my brother. He, he's an avid listen, listener to the podcast, so I'll just give him this little clip. Yeah, perfect. Well, I'm clipping myself at the same time. But, yeah, I was in that boat, just absolutely love sport and, uh, yeah, just wanted to find a way that I could contribute to um, like some level of team success at any level and, yeah, and that's still why I do it now. I love even though my role is very small in terms of contributing to wins or losses, it's like if I can help and I feel part of it, it's really rewarding. Yeah. What was the first moment, I guess, when you were in a professional sports setting where you had one of those moments where it was like, oh, I've I've done something here or I've been a part of something and it, I feel, yeah, it's a really rewarding moment. Yeah, I reckon I had a couple in uh, footy where I was working in VFL with a couple of players that got drafted mm. and had like one of the guys I remember like had some niggles and injuries and things that just made him a fringe player and just – got him to buy in and do his rehab and did well and it translated into play well and then went on, got drafted, had a good career and it was it was something that I was like, yep, this is great that in this sport that I absolutely love that I can help uh, people of this level of skill and, yeah. Did did they forget about you or did they at least send you a thank <laughs> you card or anything like that? Oh, they, they always remember at the time. Yeah, 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 good. Down the line, I don't know if I'm getting, you know, free tickets or that sort of stuff too often but it'd be tough to move up in the sport world i mean competition wise i would say everybody you know high performance managers whatever everyone wants to work in sport but there's not that many jobs i mean especially if you're talking basketball or high level basketball in australia um was it tough like was it did it take a long time to move up the ranks or was it more of the cream rises to the cream rises to the top yeah there's Hmm? i would like to say it's cream rises to the top but i think (laughs) I think you've got to be very, very good, but then just have opportunity. And I've had both times that I've been lucky to be given opportunities and other times that it's like if the people above you are great at what they do mm-hmm. and they have great relationships with everyone, like you're not moving up in that organisation. Mm. Um, yeah, it's sort of like the MCC wait list. You're sort of like waiting for people <laughs> to f- fall off the other end so you can get on there. But um, When you say fall off, you mean die. Oh. Just putting that nicely, but yes, <laughs> yes. And you don't want other physios to die, so we'll, no. <laughs> we'll say move on to other careers. But, yeah, that, that was probably what inspired my change from footy to basketball was looking for opportunity and then, um, yeah, being blessed with my time at United. It's been um, unreal. Was it one of those moments, one of those rewarding moments when you see someone like Jack White where you were with him for a lot of that process, getting him back to full health and then he has the season and then – makes the transition to the NBA was uh, I can imagine that would have been a pretty special moment. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, you, you, you like and treat all players exactly the same, but the boys that have been in rehab for a long time, it, like you've been through some tough yards with them. So to see their sort of dreams come true and that you've had a small part in that, it's, yeah, it's so rewarding and yeah, Waddy's a legend. So it was, it's hard not to barrack for him at any point. And I guess we're, we're all hoping for a similar moment come 2024 NBA draft and hoping that we hear Ariel's name get called because uh, as I think you more than anyone, but everyone at Melbourne United has seen he's, he's put in the hard yards and you can see it out on the court. Yeah. Our boy, a he's, uh, he's become a man and uh, he's just, just in so many areas, just he, like come such a long way and yeah, just I love watching him play. He's just the funniest dude. Uh, like, yeah, you, you don't have a normal conversation with him ever. <laughs> 
but yeah, of um, yeah, what he's he's done to get himself back into this position, it's yeah, it's awesome, and love watching him at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to go to a quick break and then get to everyone's favourite segment, Fast Five with Balls, after this. Want to stay up to date with everything happening in Melbourne United? Download the Melbourne United app today. Filled with videos, audio and articles about your favourite team, it's the one-stop shop for everything Melbourne United. Download the Melbourne United app via the App Store on iOS or the Google Play Store on Android. And we're back on the Extra Pass podcast and it's time for Fast Five with Balls. Ready? This is Fast Five with Balls. Been waiting for this the whole time. Now we're on to the uh, the fun stuff. Yeah, they're hard hitting, so I hope you're ready. All right, here we go, Steve. We'll jump straight into it. Uh, in the break, uh, uh, peek behind the curtain here. I was talking about how I have a better question than I came up with just during that when we were talking before. That's how my mind works. I can do two things at once. You're a savant. Came up with a better question, yeah, but I can't write it down, so I don't want to screw it up. I'm going to ask that one first. Okay, in practice. I mean, heated times, like coming off a loss, the coach is, um, it, it's going to be a tough practice. He wants everyone there and he's going to, you know, it's going to be three hours of getting everybody's minds right. You're the guy who has to go up like before practice, right? And talk to him about who, who's got injuries, who can't practice, you know, suggesting guys maybe ride the bike for the, is that intimidating i would think it'd be somewhat intimidating i mean i'm not saying dean is going to go off on you or anything but some coaches that definitely that i've had would don't take kindly to like this guy can't practice this guy you know what i mean is that have you had situations where you're talking to a coach and you before you walk in you're like you don't know how to quite approach it because you know something's coming or oh, there's some days that the walk over to dino is a yeah. little bit slower <laughs> yeah, than absolutely than yeah, it's a <laughs> tough because you're the go-between because like Players, a lot of players, if you say it's up to you whether you practice or not, like they're going to practice or they're going to play because that's their job and that's their livelihood. So you're the go-between. And, you have, yeah, it's got to be some some days where you're trying to defend yourself and it's not not very fun. Yeah, there's. I, th- I think what you got to do is just build. Like if you haven't got a good relationship with a coach, like you're, you're cooked. Yeah. And then yeah. the players don't think you have their back, so you're cooked on that one too. So having the same head coach the whole time I've been here that uh, we both know each other very well has has made that easier. But still it's like there's a couple of times a season I'm like, yeah. I don't want to be doing this one. <laughs> but, yeah, we also have the other side where it's like some players like, hey, I don't care what you say, I'm training today. We, we oh, need yeah. to train. Yeah, like, I, yeah. Yeah. A lot of the guys, yeah. I mean, it would be hard to keep a lot of these guys off the court. Yeah. Told you it was a good question. Well done. That was great. Uh, better than the other one. Yeah, I might – who knows though? We might go fast six. Um, <laughs> okay, all right. So you're a high performance manager. How much can you do just visually? You're like uh, I know, if you, like an ocular pat down. Have you ever seen? It's always sunny in Philadelphia. That's a funny term they use in it. But how much can you saw? Like you see an athlete, someone you're just watching them move, and how before you even work with them, how can you like assess or maybe? what they need to work on or even before they start running and jumping, you, that guy's got it. That guy can jump or that guy's more of a, you know, ground level type player or anything like that. Yeah. Good question. <laughs> I'm, I'm just firing on all yeah. cylinders today. <laughs> Wait till we get to five. <laughs> uh, so I think the things you, you try and do is like you try and pick up what's the strengths of that player and you'll see guys that are fast twitch versus slow twitch. And you're like, I would say the guys that are like big and, generate their jump from muscle size and power and you're like that guy could deadlift and squat heavy and then Mm -hmm. there's other guys that are super light and bouncy and you're like that guy's elastic and and you're probably getting the picture of those two things because 
that from like an injury risk perspective, they have different injuries that they're more likely to get. Mm. And then from a performance point, you're like, oh, well, we can really help that guy with doing this or, yeah, I don't think he's got as much potential in this space or that space. But even how they move, like the way they walk, can you already pick up like, oh, that guy might have some hip problems or he already has is that bad hips and stuff like that? Uh, you can a bit. Yeah. Yep. Um, but you also can get people that deceive you that are like, yeah, you're like, oh, well, he looks like he's sort of limping and then you're like, God, he's actually real quick. Yeah. He limps fast. <laughs> well, looking at the two athletes in front of you, can yeah. you give us just a quick ocular pat down? Who do you think is a fast twitch guy? And who's <laughs> <a> <laughs> um, uh, I'm looking at Delhi across <laughs> the way. I'm going I'm to give the points to Delhi's cartoon character at the back there. All right. Um, okay, top three freak athletes you've worked with in your time. Lifetime, not basketball, just whatever. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a tough. Anytime you got a list on the spot, it can be tough. Top three, I would say. Um, Don't need to rank them. You can just you can just give them. Give us the three. Yeah, I would give. Uh, or oh, there's someone that will miss out here, so that's tough. Um, Shilly. Um, really, of yeah. all that you all worked with, Shilly's really? agility and so the way quick. he can control his body, wow. like. Watching him like negotiate screens uh -huh. and like the balance and the speed he can do it at is brilliant. And um, yeah, and because he's had his challenges this past year, watch him a lot to make sure he's he's going well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I like the way he moves. Uh, that's a skill that is probably more like specific to basketball and pure athleticism. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at athleticism, it's um probably a whitey and a um aerial. A, Two very impressive for like the size of them, the speed, the power, the jumping, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, and then one guy in, in footy, Dale Morris, uh, he was just the most ripped athlete, and his his body, um, he had to encounter some um, injuries over the journey, but like he was just he was like a robot, just yeah, he could come back from anything, and he was just just built different, yeah, yeah. What about Tucker from last year? That's a guy visually you see and you just like, that yeah. guy looks, like he looked fake. Like he yeah. was made in a lab to play that or to at least jump to play basketball. Yeah. His, his like calf muscles. I was like, yeah, oh his calves, especially. Like, yeah. He's a wow. bouncy boy. Yeah. 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 He, he would have had the biggest vertical that we've yeah. had in my time here. Um, and yeah, he, yeah, he like the, um, the, Amount of I remember he had like the the two dribble dunk and that sort of stuff. You like that was out of this world. So good pickup. Let's let's try and squeeze him into the top three. You can tell me who you're kicking out. Oh no, uh, no, that's up to you. Well, but I'd have another question now. How much of jumping is in like calf size and all that? You know, when you're young and you learn to walk, everyone has a different gait. Yep. Gait means is like you're. I understand. So. I, I didn't know if you knew that word. <laughs> Uh, uh, how much of that affects, like, let's say when you're 25 or 27 at your athletic peak, how much of that is affected by when you just started walking? Is it a lot or is it something you can't get over? It's like, well, he's walked pigeon toed his whole life. And so he's just, you know, he's, he's going to struggle athletically. Nah, I think you can overcome something like that. You can just for something like jumping, like I wouldn't say, but like some guys will have like a long Achilles yeah, and then it's like it's harder to put on calf muscle. And that can be just literally because of the way you walked. Like, well, yeah. you know, some people like bounce up on their toes. Like my, I'm tired because my son, my, he's not going to listen to this, so I'll be all right. He's 11. 
Uh, and he, he just walks through it. I'm just like, trying to get him to walk <laughs> normal. And you can kind of see, I don't know, can you see in his calf development at that age of like, if you just walk, like bounce off your toes, you know, you know what I mean? If he like, can bring his son in. I, I don't want him to him never walk. be able to yeah. jump. I remember saying that like, this is like, I've been a physio for a while. And I remember it was like, we had these like kids that tried to walk on their heels. Like they weren't really putting their toes down. And it was like, oh, well, what if you calves. put like a, a thumbtack on their heel? Yeah. And so like if they walk on their heel, it like pricks them. And I don't think you can do that anymore. But if you keep someone on your toes, yeah, because <laughs> your calves are going to be incredible if you yeah. just walk on your heels. So I'm not I saying mean, to do that toes. to your son, but like. Well, I might. It's I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to do something. Get him in those jump shoes. <laughs> you know, the jump shoes, you know, the strength shoes from. The 90s, you ever seen yeah, that? Yeah, the ankle weights were big in the 90s and the too. Ankles, Just but, yeah, walk around get, school yeah. in, in like one kilo weights around your ankles and you'd be able to jump high, but it was worth it. It was in a Seinfeld episode too, but they were the shoes that had a huge platform on the front. So it elongated your, like it wasn't good for you, but that, that was supposed to make you jump higher if you just walked around in those for like two weeks. Nice. Does that, that's not good, probably. I wouldn't think so. No, Otherwise that'd still be long. now. It's Kids still had them yeah. back then. Yeah. Okay, what, what, geez, what question was that? That was three. <laughs> Let's see here. Can't read his own handwriting. No, should I go into four or skip to five? Because we've been going for a long time. No, we got time. Okay. Um, how much of what you're doing to these athletes or not doing, but like giving them, let's say, two guys, both got, I don't know, bad back, low back. They need to strengthen their core. How much of it is, because they both need to do the same thing in the gym, but you know, like, how much is it is you specifically give them certain things because you know one guy will do one thing, one guy will do another. Like, how much is it you've got to know your personnel other than just know, like, what's wrong with them? Does that make sense? Yep, for sure. Um, yeah, like, you could have a guy do the same, like, guys do the same injury at the same time and you're not giving them the same rehab. Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. yeah because what makes them great at, basketball is different mm -hmm. things so if if someone's unbelievable with endurance then you need to program that in their rehab and if uh, someone's their jumping is one of their point of differences like you need to have a lot of plyometric stuff in there so a lot of the times to get them going you'll have similar stuff but then you'll have to tweak it towards the athlete if you want to have a performance thing rather than just medical tick the box yeah yep. so you can't just like we couldn't just fire you and just like if anyone's hurt we just google like, what do you have wrong with you? Google it and then just like, just do whatever Google says. Maybe you could, but no, I'm not going to say that saying. you can. Because yeah, you, it's well, job security job, there. Yeah. yeah, it's job security. Of every, you can't just do you that. You cannot do that. No. <laughs> if I broke, yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on. All right, everybody's favorite question. And you're of age. You want to say your age or you want to keep that a secret? Uh, I'm 35. 35. <laughs> How old are you for real? You look no, 35. I have a birthday coming, so I was just checking. You know when you get old enough where you're like, I don't you know. You forget your age yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah, I was just double checking. So, but you are 35. I am 35. Okay. All right, all right. So 35, yeah, it's a good age CD-wise. What was your first CD? Yeah, I was definitely of the CD era, and uh, I was in the grunge. Oh, that was grunge. that was my genre of, yeah. of choice. And uh, having an older brother, it was sort of like you don't really choose yourself. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah this is the music that you like. Mm -hmm. But um. I remember, well, the first cassette tape yeah. was the first thing I bought. And I remember I went up to Sanity, the music store. I bought a <laughs> corn cassette tape because oh, I just go. wanted to be wanted to be one yeah. of those people. Oh, new metal. Yeah. I have and I brought it home, Yeah, played it. My mum comes in. She's like, <laughs> 
you are taking that back. Oh, no. So she, she walks me up to the, the store. <laughs> I take it up to the girl and be like, hey, uh, I, I didn't like this and I get something else. <laughs> and we traded it for Metallica. So I don't know that it was much different, but uh, I would say in the CD realm, it would have been um, a Grinspoon or a Living End. They were sort of uh, where I, I started. Australian, local yeah. town. Yeah, cool. Yeah, at one point, Corn was my favorite band. I had a poster on them on my wall and everything. Got their first four CDs. Um, do you remember which one it was? No. Uh, if, if it was nine. Yeah. Anyways, it's not a Corn podcast. Um, as much as you would like it to yeah. be. I yeah. think it just had a couple of words that challenged my mom's <laughs> views at the time. Pretty, yeah, pretty emotional <laughs> stuff. You can, you can, yeah. Yep. I'm surprised she could understand what, what, he, what he was saying. Yeah, that's impressive in its own right. Well, going going on the back of that and uh, and maybe some some challenging words for your mother, I, I heard a story that I gave this to Balls. Oh, did I forgot not that one. I told you I'd mess it up. You're well, right. I forgot that one. Here well, we go. you've yeah. done five, yeah, but this right. was, this this was something. Yeah, we need to get to the bottom of this. This was something that I was told about you, which was uh, you you once ate an entire bar of soap. Yeah, well. Uh, Can you explain? <laughs> well, it's one of those things that, like your parents only have so many punishments that they can dish out, and um, yeah, I was I was explaining to the boys that uh, my brother took care of the wooden spoon, so yeah. it was like, yeah, keep hitting us with the wooden spoon until it broke. But um, yeah, I went one better and yeah, ate the cake of soap, and then that that's the end of that. As one. in, like you you said, this punishment isn't this punishment doesn't bother me. You just ate nothing. the soap. Yeah. Wow. Wow. No, no coming back from that. What oh. went into the thought process? Yeah. To like. I, I'm sick of having my mouth washed out with soap. I just need to eat it and it will never happen again. Well, maybe I was thinking I've got to, you know, get my language right. I want to have a professional career and I don't <laughs> want to be dropping bombs all the time. So maybe that was my incentive. Maybe that's what that's what's kept you so professional through your entire career. There's still some soap, soap inside of you. Yeah, bubbling up. <laughs> so is it not, I guess it's okay. Like were you sick afterwards? No, I think I, as a kid I used to eat the soap a fair bit. And what? I think. As like you'd, you'd be in the bathtub and it'd be like, my parents would be like, where's the soap? I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Oh, wow. So I think it was if, if from a young age I was I was onto it. So would you recommend other people eat soap or no? I just want to get this on the record. If you want to have a clean mouth, maybe. If you want to be healthy, I wouldn't think so. Low in calories though. <laughs> well, I don't know. Is it? If you're trying to diet, if, I mean, I don't I know that they put the, the calories on the bar of soap. Like yeah, I've never been diet. like, yeah. If it fills you up and it's low in calories, people would do it. I bet people would do it if, it, if you lost weight from it. Yeah, yeah. I know people do a lot of things. Yeah. that aren't healthy. Well, probably better. Yeah, well, much worse than eating soap. Well, we got a like, perfect example. Right? Yeah, he's yeah. still alive. He's still here. He's in good I'm shape. Kicking. Yeah, he's in good shape. <laughs> All right, that, that's it. Yeah, on that <laughs> we, we need a. <laughs> Can you hear that? Yes. We need it. We need something to end fast five. We do have buttons here. Yeah. We don't know. They all do different things, but none of them do anything worth actually pressing. Mm. Well, there you go. No, well right. done. Yeah. 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 Nice balls. We can do that. Well, Steve O, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much for telling us about yourself and your career and giving us some insight into this team that we all love so much. We, we've got another big game coming up that hopefully everyone can stay healthy for as we make this run into finals. But I guess, you know, as someone who's been at this club for a while, how exciting is it to uh, to make this run into finals with as good a form as we're in and hopefully go in on top of the ladder and with a bunch of momentum? Yeah, I'm pumped for the this last bit of the season and the playoffs. It's just been like it's such an even competition and I think 
every game is a good challenge. So these last couple aren't going to be easy, but yeah, we've given ourselves a great chance to have a good crack at this one from here. Well, thanks so much for being here, Steve. We appreciate it. And thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Extra Pass. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Steve.